praise the Lord. Well, are you ready for the word tonight? Amen. Amen. You know, for a good number of weeks, we have been talking about healing scriptures on Wednesday night. These cards are out there in the foyer. They're free of charge. We encourage you to get a copy of your own. If you have a phone or some other kind of device that you would like to use, you can download these from our website, freedomword.org, and uh, you can have them on your device, and you don't even have to have the paper anymore. And of course, uh, maybe after a f- several months or a few years, you might not even need that. You might have them totally memorized, because that's certainly possible to do. As we feed on the Word of God, it becomes medicine to us. Proverbs 4 says that His Word is life unto those that find them and medicine to all their flesh. So that's all the parts of your body, no matter what is going on, no matter what is wrong, no matter what the doctor says or anybody else says, there's healing in the Word of God for us and His Word will never return void. It will accomplish what He pleases. It will prosper in the thing whereto He sent it. God meant what He said and said what He meant and He stands behind His Word to make it good. So praise the Lord. Now we have covered most all of these and we're down to the last two sections. We're down to 1 John 4 and 4 tonight which says, Ye are of God, little children, and have overcome them. And that's speaking of evil and wicked spirits. You look at the passage and you'll see the context. That's the them that's referred to here. Because... Why have we overcome demons and evil spirits? Because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Thank God he is greater. Now, the last portion, Mark 11, 23 and 24, we will begin on when we get back because we won't be able to finish that, I don't think, in one, one night. But we can take some time with 1 John 4, 4. One of the great truths that we have been learning around here for years is the the great in Christ or in Him scriptures in the New Testament. There are about 130 of them that reveal to us who we are, what we have, and what we can do because we are in Christ. And of course, that is a lifelong quest is to plumb the depths of those truths. I don't think any of us have found all there is to know about it, but the more we learn, the more we grow and the stronger we become. And we realize that that's how God sees us. That's one reason that this is so important to us is because he sees you in Christ. If he didn't, we'd be in trouble because it's only in Christ that we have acceptance, forgiveness, cleansing, that we have the blessings that Jesus bought and paid for. So when you and I were born again, we were adopted. We were uh, grafted in. There are various types of pictures used in the scripture. We were truly made a new creature in Christ, and we are in him. Praise the Lord. And so tonight we want to look at kind of the other side uh, of that coin because it's so wonderful to study the in Christ, in him scriptures. But also this verse tells us, that he is in us. Isn't that good? Hallelujah. And so tonight, I want to take a few minutes and actually go down a few other extra trails here with this as we talk about 1 John 4.4. 4. And I, I uh, was stirred in my spirit 
to speak to you a little bit about the three relationships that God maintains with every believer. Three aspects of our relationship with God. Number one, God is with us. Number two, God is for us. And number three, God is in us. And that last one, of course, is what 1 John 4, 4 deals with. But I want to give you just a little bit of information about the other two things. God with us, God for us, as well as God in us. So let's look at the first one. God is with us. And I want to say right in the beginning, God with you is the guarantee of your success. It is the he is the guarantee of your success. He is with us. I want to give you a few scriptures just kind of quickly. We can't take long with any of these points. But uh, in Hebrews 13 and 5, Jesus is, is said that he promised to never leave us or forsake us. Never leave us. When you're in trouble or when things are going well. When the night is dark or when the sun shines brightly in the middle of the day, it doesn't make any difference. Jesus said, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. In Matthew 28 and 20, he promised to be with us to the end of the age. The old King James uses the term world, but actually he's talking about the end of the age. So you will, you will live your life out here on the earth. And if you do live and you go to be with the Lord and your physical body dies, or if Jesus returns and calls us up to be with him in the air, as the scripture says is going to happen at some point, either way, as long as you're here, he is with you. He's not coming and going. You don't have to get up every morning and check if he's there. You don't have to wonder if he's there. And it doesn't make any difference, not one iota of difference, how you feel. You may feel as unspiritual as a doorknob. You might feel like you're the least in the bunch. You might feel like you've failed and come short in many ways. And all those things that maybe some of us have heard religious folks say over the years as they apologize for what they thought was a lack of, of commitment or what they thought might have been their own failures. But I'm telling you, God says, I'm with you. I'm with you and I'm not going to leave you. As a matter of fact, when I'm in trouble... And when I miss it and when I fail, you know, when you think about it, that's when I really need his help most. I'm so glad he didn't leave me just when I got mad and said the wrong thing. It's kind of like a good marriage. You know, I'm glad Glenna didn't leave me whenever I just acted silly. The one time it ever happened in 49 years, I'm glad that she didn't just decide I'm going to walk out the door. I'm not putting up with this anymore. No, she stayed with me. Why? Because she loves me. And I love her. And so we stay with each Well, God loves us more than anybody. There's nobody loves you like God. He's not going to leave you, folks. You don't have to ask him, would you hang around, Lord? Would you stay with me? Amen. In Isaiah chapter 4 and verse number 10 uh, he says to, to, uh, through the prophet, and he says to him, Fear thou not, for I am with thee. That's what he says to the people of God. Fear thou not, for I am with thee. And David said in Psalm 37, 25, I have been young and now am old. Yet have I not seen the righteous forsaken. 
nor his seed begging bread. So I want to make this statement to you tonight. We are never alone as God's children. We understand what it's like to be lonely for somebody. Maybe we get used to people being around and they leave or they're gone a while. We miss them. We understand that technically speaking, naturally speaking, you're by yourself in a room. So somebody could say, well, you're there alone. And, and that there's a, there's a truth there to that. But I know that you must understand that we really are never alone because God never leaves us. And that means there's no reason to be lonely. There's no reason to be sad. There's no reason to be blue. I know we love people and sometimes people leave us. Sometimes folks will die. They physically die. They go to be with the Lord. Or maybe people move away that we miss them. And uh, we understand all about that. That's, that's normal. That's natural. But we don't have to get over into a, a depth of grief or sorrow like the world has. People that don't know the Lord. And the Bible even talks about sorrowing over those who go home to be with the Lord. That we don't sorrow as others who have no hope. So yes, we, might, we could say we're sorry for your loss. If you've lost a loved one, that's appropriate, and that's true. We're not hard-hearted. We're not callous people. But the fact is, we don't sorrow like people with no hope. Because we understand that even if someone leaves us and goes to be with the Lord, it's just a short matter of time until we're going to be where they are and we're going to see them again. Praise God. And so we are never alone. That's one reason you never hear me pray. You never hear me pray and I would dare say in 33 plus years that I've been here as a pastor, I don't think anybody has ever heard me get up and pray, Lord, be with us today. I quit that foolishness a long time ago. He told me I'll never leave you. What kind of unbelief would it be for me to say, Lord, be with us now. Lord, be with us. Lord, stay with us. In other words, I don't know if you will or not. I hope you do. I wish you will. I'm not sure. No, I'm sure. He's with me, ever with me. Praise the Lord. And so I never have to pray, Lord, be with me, or Lord, be with us, or Lord, be with them. You know, somebody's traveling in a far journey or whatever. It's just like we're getting ready to go. It's a long way. It's, it's, uh, it's about 12 hours and 45 minutes from from D.C. to Dubai, and then it's another five hours plus to get from Dubai to Entebbe. Uh, that's a long way, but you don't have to pray, Lord, be with him. He is. We're taking him along. He doesn't have to pay for a ticket. He doesn't need a... He, he sits in my seat. He sits in Glenna's seat. He, he's with us. Hallelujah. And so you know if you know God is with you, then you know you make room for him. If you're with us at supper time, even if we hadn't planned on you being there, we're going to make room for you. I remember one day I was making this soup that I really like to make, this, this uh, chicken taco soup, and, and it's really simple to make, but man, it is so good. You take a rotisserie chicken and you tear all the chicken off of it and you take broth and, and you take a bunch of uh, sweet peppers and you take red ones and green ones and yellow ones and you take jalapeno pepper and you take chicken broth and you put uh, minced garlic into it and you put a can of Rotel uh, tomatoes with green chilies in it and then you put a whole block of, of um, 
uh, cream cheese in there and you melt it all down and get it all creamy and gooey and man it's good and and about the time I was making that in walked three family members <laughs> my daughter and both uh, or two of her kids came which I was glad they came and we're very glad they came I'm just this is a great illustration so what did we do we all had soup I didn't get as much as I had planned originally but we all had soup so that's what you do with, with God. You make room for him. If you know he's always with you, then that means he's on your job. Are you making room for him when you're at work? Are you making room for him when you go shopping? Are you making room for him when you get up in the morning? Are you making room for him at school? You get the picture. He is with us. Say it with me. Say, he's with us. Say, he's with me. Oh, thank God he is. And then secondly, God is for us. That means he's on your side. That means he favors you. He has chosen you. And he chooses now to see you and to see me according to his grace and mercy. God is for you. He's not against you. And I know this sounds elementary. I know this sounds like it doesn't have to be said but you would be surprised how many people don't really grasp this concept. So I want to say this. God is not your problem. Whatever situation you are going through, facing in life, no matter how difficult it is, God didn't put you in that bad spot. And God is not the author of your problem. God is for you. And if you will trust him... He will show you how to get out of the mess. He's got a plan. He's got a way. He, he has a pathway. A pathway for your healing. A pathway for your financial blessing. To get out from under the bondage of debt or, or lack or whatever. He's got a plan to deal with your family. He's got a plan for your marriage. He's got a plan for parenting. He has a plan. He's for you. And he favors you. He favors you. You know, everybody here that's, that's walked in a degree of the blessing of God could say that there have been times when you just thought, I must be God's favorite. He's done more for me than I ever thought he would. I remember hearing an older gentleman say one time years ago, the Lord had blessed him. He'd made a lot of money. And uh, he told me one time, he said, he said, Brother Greg, he said, the Lord's been better to me than I ever thought he would be. He was just being honest about it. Because years before, in his younger days, he never thought that God would ever favor him and be so good to him. But you know what? Every one of you are his favorites. He has that same level of care, love, affection, blessing, and power extended toward every person in this room tonight. Not just preachers, not just people that's been saved for 20 plus years. It's not a seniority thing. You know, the church is not, not a seniority thing like that. The same favor comes to us always. Now, I'd like to point your attention tonight to 2 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 14. In this same vein, God is for us. In 2 Corinthians 2, 14, this is a wonderful verse. I love this verse. Paul says, now thanks be unto God, which always, everybody say always. 
Now thanks be unto God, which always causeth us to triumph. That means win. It didn't say thanks be unto God for sometimes, some, you know, you win some and you lose some. Thanks be unto God because on Groundhog Day, is that not tomorrow or the day after, Friday? On Groundhog Day and, and the 4th of July, you might get some good stuff. No, he didn't say. He said thanks be unto God, which always causes us to triumph in Christ. And maketh manifest the savor, of the, the aroma, one translation says, of his knowledge by us in every place. In other words, our victory is so obvious that even the spiritual world looks upon us as God's favors, uh, favorites. You know, the devil should look at every one of us and wonder how in the world you could be so blessed. Maybe your in-laws do. Maybe your neighbors do. I don't know. But it should be that we're walking billboards for the goodness of God. I like that word always. That might be a good word to plaster on your refrigerator. That might be a good uh, screen saver with something, you know, maybe some big muscles. You know, I, I don't want you to use my picture, but use somebody else. But always, everybody say always again. So this is not win some, lose some. This is not you win the easy ones. This is always. And I don't know what you might be facing. I don't know what you're going through. And in the course of life, we all go through stuff. We're in a fallen world. There are lots of people that don't know God all around us. There are lots of things going on. There are wicked and evil spirits out there. But remember, we're learning that He is with us. He is for us, and thank God He is in us. Now, in Romans chapter 8, the Apostle Paul uh, begins to list some tough things. And I'm going to read, just take a moment and look at a few of these myself. In Romans chapter 8, and um, he says, "Who?" verse 35, Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, we all know what that is, or distress, we've all been there, or persecution, if you've stood for truth and right, you've, you've had some of that along the way, or famine, that's when there's just not enough supply, it could be food, but there might be famine and other things, or nakedness, or peril, or sword. In other words, these are tough situations. As it is written, for thy sake... We are killed all the day long. We are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. In other words, there are times when times are tough that the world would look at us like we're being sheep to the slaughter and feel sorry for you because you're a Christian, because you can't fight back like on the level they fight. You don't cuss and carry on and create all of the hullabaloo that they do. They just think you're weak. Because you walk in love. You're weak because you trust God. You're not trying to make your own way. You don't live by the Frank Sinatra philosophy of life. I did it my way. You are, you're submitted to God. They just think, you know, you're like a sheep for the slaughter. But Paul answers in verse 7 with this word, Nay! Or we'd say today, No! We're not sheep for the slaughter. We're not being killed all day long. No, in all these things we are more than conquerors. 
through him that loved us. More than conquerors. That means you get to enjoy a victory that somebody else won for you. More than conquerors is what all civilians enjoy when the military has won a war. When all those thousands of men and, and, and women too, some women too, went to war in, in, the, in what we call World War II. And after several years of struggle and, and great hardship and great loss, they won and Germany surrendered and Japan surrendered and the war was completely over. Who was doing the celebrating? Well, sure, the soldiers were happy, but people were dancing in the streets and everything else that had never been to Germany, had never been at sea, had never been to Japan. They were rejoicing because somebody won the victory. Those people were more than conquerors. And I want you to know that there was a mighty battle that was fought and won by the Lord Jesus Christ. And according to Colossians 2 and 15, he made a show, an open show of the devil and triumphing over him in the cross and whenever you stand on that word and you stand on that truth you become more than a conqueror you have the same victory that he bought and paid for and you got to have it without having to go to the battle you got to have it by simply being in Christ and simply him being with you and him being for you hallelujah if God be for us Paul said in Romans 8.31, who can be against us? What difference does it make who's against you? Who cares who's against you? Well, they don't like me. Well, that's their problem. If they knew the favor of God upon you and they knew the relationship you have with the Father, they'd change their tune. They just don't know yet. Don't worry about all of that. Just walk in victory. Walk in victory. God was with and for Moses and Israel when they came to the Red Sea. God was with and for Joshua at Jericho. God was with and for David when he fought Goliath. God was with and for Elijah on Mount Carmel. God was with and for Peter when he was in the jail. God was with and for the Apostle Paul when he was at, in, at sea on the great storm. And I want you to know tonight God is with and for you right now. Hallelujah. Glory to God. We don't need to be depressed. We don't need to be sad. We've got everything in the world to shout about. Well, pastor, you don't know what I've been going through. No, I don't. And I'm not trying to minimize a problem per se, except I guess I am trying to minimize it in the light of God, in the light of his power, in the light of his word, in the light of his anointing. Every problem we could ever have is but a little thing. Paul referred to his problems as light afflictions. In our eyes, he suffered some pretty severe stuff. But he called it light affliction. He had the right perspective. He knew who he was. He knew who was with him. And he knew who was for him. God doesn't know defeat. And we are children of that God. We have his name. We have his authority. We have his righteousness. We have his power. We are the head and not the tail. We are above and not beneath. We are, as Romans 8.37 says, more 
than conquerors. Hallelujah. I want to take a little time to finish by talking about that third relationship that God maintains with us and God has with us, and that is God is in us. God is with us, God is for us, and God is in us. Now, you just think about, just for a moment, let your mind ponder and meditate on this truth. Jehovah God, the creator of the universe, he that fills all in all is on the inside of you. You're part of the all that's filled. The creator of the universe, even an atheist cannot fully grasp from their so-called scientific side. They can't figure out the universe, its expansion, the speed of light, and all the rest. Well, we know that the only reason anything is here is because there is a God. And when you think about the vastness, I mean, I was just reading not long ago, and I, I wish I would have, could remember the number, but I can't. How many, um, like for instance, how many moons that, you know, we see the moon, you could put in the sun. I mean, it was, it was just a ridiculous number in our sun. Our sun is just one star of millions of stars in the universe. The God who created all that with the words of his mouth is in you. So why would we ever be afraid of any disease, no matter what its name is? Why would we be afraid of any diagnosis? Why would we be afraid of any evil spirit? Why would we be afraid of anything the devil tries to do when that God is on the inside of us? 1 Corinthians 6.19 says that our bodies are temples of the Holy Ghost. God lives inside of us. 2 Corinthians 4 verses 6 and 7 says we have this treasure in earthen vessels. That God would choose to come and live among us and live in us. I mean, you know, God with us is wonderful. God for us, that's wonderful. But I think best of all, the God who is all-knowing, all-powerful, the God who is all-love, the God who knows everything is inside of us. We've studied, as I say, as believers here in this church, for years we have come back again and again over those in Christ truths. But the other side of the coin is the God that you're in Christ, but he is also in you. And we need to renew our minds to this. These are things you need to think of before you get out of the bed in the morning. Maybe the last thing when you lie down at night. Just give a little thought who is in you. Because he's the great healer. You see, the healer is in you. We know that God's made marvelous provisions in various ways for people to be healed through the laying on of hands, the anointing of oil, through gifts of the Spirit, revelation gifts coupled with the tangible anointing, the flow and the power of God and so forth. All these various ways and they're so wonderful and we're so grateful for them. But do you know that it is possible to be healed just with the certain knowledge 
that the healer is inside of you? And taking his word as your medicine, exercising your faith that any sickness or any disease can be driven out of your body? Oh, I tell you, it's a powerful thing. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Now, when Jesus taught us in John 14, verses 16 through 18, about the Spirit of God coming, he said he's with you, but he shall be in you. I'm sure most of you, maybe all of you, have read that passage. He was referring to the Holy Spirit. Because nobody had experienced the fullness of the Spirit except for Jesus, like you can experience it now. No Old Testament saint had that same relationship to the Holy Spirit that a Spirit-filled, born-again child of God has today. We have an experience that Isaiah would love to have had. Elijah would have loved to have had. Moses would have loved to have had. I mean, it's almost, it almost sounds sacrilegious to think about such great men of God like I just named that you have an advantage over them spiritually. But you do. You absolutely do. Because the God who empowered them for the miraculous lives in you 24-7 every day of every year. So let me give you this short list before we close. The, the guide is inside. The teacher is inside. Your provider is inside. The helper is inside. The comforter is inside. The healer is inside. The counselor is inside. The power source for all manifestations to confirm the word of God, all miraculous power, that power source is inside. The God and the creator of the universe is inside of you. I don't think that any of us, I know I haven't, have plumbed the depth of these kinds of truths. We must become God inside-minded. We've got to focus more on the God who's in us then we focus on the problems that are not in us, that are on the outside, that are peripheral. And even if it's something, because we've been teaching about healing scriptures, even if it's something that's not right in your body, you've got to realize who else is in there. And when I read about where God Almighty dwells, it sounds like it is the apex of wealth, beauty, and riches. I can't believe, I cannot believe that he wants to live on the earth in a physical body that is broken down. I believe he wants to make it well. And I believe he wants it to function until we are ready to go. And someday you'll get ready to go. Someday I'll get ready to go. We're, none of us are going to stay here forever. As they say jokingly sometimes, none of us are getting out of this alive. Sooner or later, we're all going to go. But, but as long as you're here, God wants you strong, and God wants you well. In Luke chapter 1, and verse number 46, after 
um, Mary was aware of, uh, of the fact that she was going to give birth to the Christ child. In Luke chapter 1, I'm turning over there now, I want to, I want to read to you. And she went up to see her cousin Elizabeth, who was pregnant with John the Baptist. And I'll pick up with verse 43 and read down through verse 47. And we're reading this because I want to show you how important it is for certain truths to get lodged properly inside and to meditate properly, to deal with them properly especially truths like we're sharing with you tonight. Verse 43, Elizabeth says, And whence is this to me, that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For lo, as soon as the voice of thy salutation sounded in mine ears, the babe leaped, or leapt, whatever the right word is, in my womb for joy. And blessed is she that believed, for there shall be a performance of those things which were told her from the Lord. Then Mary said, My soul doth magnify the Lord, and my spirit hath rejoiced in God my Savior. My soul doth magnify the Lord. What does that mean? Obviously, Mary didn't make God somehow get bigger. But God was bigger in Mary than he had ever been before. Since she'd received the word of the angel that had, been, that had been sent to her. In other words, when we talk about us magnifying God, what we really mean is we see him bigger. We understand him in a greater way, a bigger way. And uh, I'm not trying to insult you because I'm certainly preaching to me tonight, but I just feel like that we've not seen God big as we should, as big as we should. We've, we've not really grasped what's available to us. I know that we won't get it all even in this lifetime, but I think there's so much more. I know in my own life I, I can sense that there's just so much more. There's a greater depth. There's a greater level that we need to get to. There are things that we need to see and understand. Like Mary, her life was forever changed because she accepted the word of the Lord and God in her life became bigger than he'd ever been. And what you and I need, especially if we're battling sickness or disease or pain or some chronic ailment or problem, what we need is the God in us to get so big that the problem cannot stay. There's not room enough in the house for that big God and the other mess. Something's got to go. And it's got to be that which is from the enemy. It's got to be that which is from the devil. We've got to become God inside-minded. Amen. Hallelujah. 